Genesis chapter 37, if you're physically able to stand, uh, we're going to read our scripture reading this morning, a very familiar story, I'll just be honest and upfront, probably one you've heard um, since you were a child, maybe though it will be very new to you, maybe it will not be familiar, it's an amazing story, but what's neat about God's word is it was relevant to them then and it's relevant to us today, we're thankful God has preserved his word and that it can change our life. And uh, there are several implications here in Scripture that I really believe will help us as we look at different things in our life, as we go through life in general. And so I hope this will be a blessing to you. Genesis chapter 37, verse number 1, uh, verse number 2 actually, we'll read through verse 13. The Bible says, these are the generations of Jacob, Joseph being 17 years old. 17 years old, I think it's important, we'll touch that later, was feeding the flock with his brethren. And the lad was with the sons of Bilhah, and with the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. And Joseph brought unto their father, his father their evil report. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children, because he was the son of his old age. And he made him a coat of many colors. And when his brethren saw that their father loved him more than all his brethren, they hated him. And could not speak peaceably unto him. Now we'll see this hate unfold in in a few verses. But it's amazing what hatred can cause you to do. And verse number 4 it says, And when his brethren saw that their father, they hated them, and could not speak peaceably unto him. Verse 5, And Joseph dreamed a dream, and he told it his brethren, and they hated him yet the more. And he said unto them, Here I pray you this dream which I have dreamed. For behold, we were binding sheaves in the field, and lo, my sheaf arose, and also stood upright. And behold, your sheaves stood around about, and made obeisance to my sheaf. And his brethren said to him, Shalt thou indeed reign over us? Or shalt thou indeed have dominion over us? And they hated him yet the more, for his dreams and for his words. And he dreamed yet another dream, and told it his brethren, and said, Behold, I have dreamed a dream more, and behold, the sun and the moon and the eleven stars made obeisance to me. And he told it to his father and to his brethren, and his father rebuked him, and said unto him, What is this dream that thou hast dreamed? Shall I and thy mother and thy brethren indeed come to bow down ourselves to thee, to the earth? And his brethren envied him. And, but his father observed the saying, and his brethren went to feed their father's flock in Shechem. And Israel said unto Joseph, Do not thy brethren feed the flock in Shechem. Come, and I will send thee unto them. And he said to him, Here am I. And let's pray, and then you can be seated after we pray. Lord, we sure do love you. Thank you so much for loving us. It certainly is good to be in your house this morning. Lord, from all over this Portland metro area, people have driven, Lord, to come to church to be in your house. Or there's something different about the air at Sunday, Lord, as we sang earlier. There's something about Grandview that draws us here. But I believe the very reason is because we want to meet with you, Lord. We want to be with your people. We want to hear from you. Lord, I don't take that lightly, Lord. You know the burden I carry each and every week when I have the opportunity to preach. I want to be out of the way, Lord, and I want you to flow through me. I would ask that you would anoint me, Lord, not for me. But for your people's sake, they need to hear from you. Lord, they need to be filled. Lord, there's someone here today that needs to be challenged in this area. There's someone here today that will need this message, not because of me, but because of your word and the truth in it. I just pray that you'll be with the children's church and the nursery and the teens and, Lord, all that you're doing today. 
Uh, be with our site churches, Lord, and, and be with uh, each and every person online that are watching maybe. Uh, they can't be here because of work or health or maybe uh, because of, uh, they're out of town. I pray you'll just touch their bodies. May they know that we love them and that they're loved. I pray that you'll bless in a special way today. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Years ago, there was a young couple who moved into a brand new neighborhood. And if you've ever moved into a new neighborhood, you know that all the dust that's been stirred up uh, usually makes everything uh, filthy. And one day they sat down for breakfast and the young woman looked at her husband and says, Man, our neighbor lady's laundry is just is filthy. I mean, she doesn't know how to do laundry. Maybe she needs to use some different laundry soap. And her husband just sat there and quietly ate and didn't say anything. Well, every day she would comment about the same thing. She just couldn't understand why this lady's laundry was so dirty. One day she came down to eat breakfast and she looked out and to her surprise, the laundry was as clean as could be. She looked at her husband and said, finally, someone told this lady what to do and how to do it right. Man, that's so, I need to go over there and, and congratulate her. About that time, her husband looked up and for the first time he made a comment. And he said, I got up early this morning and cleaned our windows. <laughs> now may I say, perspective changes everything, does it not? Years ago, there was a great English architect. His name was Sir Christopher Wren. And he was building a great, mag- magnificent cathedral in London. A journalist came on site one day and she said, he said, you know, I'm going to go to three random uh, workers and I'm just going to interview them. I'm going to ask them the same question to each one. So he went to the first one and he said, sir, he said, what are you doing today? The man looked at him and says, I'm cutting stone for a mere 10 shillings a day. Oh, the journalist said, that sounds good. And so he goes to the next man and said, sir, what are you doing? And the next man says, I'm putting in 10 hours a day so I can take care of my family. The journalist noted that down and says, okay, thank you. He went to the third man and he said, sir, he says, what are you doing? The third looked at him and proudly said, I'm helping Sir Christopher Wren construct one of London's greatest cathedrals. Isn't it interesting how perspective can change everything? This morning we're going to look at a story about a young man who many of us probably would have struggled had we been in his shoes. And oftentimes people ask this question, if God is really in charge of things, he must be incompetent. I mean, after all, why are these things happening to me? But in the story of Joseph, we learn how to get perspective on the bad things that have happened in our lives. And this morning, I want us to look at Jonah's journey and see some things this morning that maybe can help us and resonate with us and challenge us in our areas of when bad things happen to us. So number one, if you're writing this morning, I just have three points. We see the hidden depths of sin, the hidden depths of sin. Now, If you grew up like I did in Sunday school every week or in junior church every week or in a Christian school, perhaps you've heard multiple sermons about Joseph, probably every angle possible. And if we're not careful, we can look at 
the end result of Joseph's life and assume that Joseph was this great Christian from day one. But I think if you really study this passage, you'll see that Joseph probably wasn't the great leader and the great man of God he was toward the end of his life as much as at the beginning. I think that Joseph was put on a journey that only God could put him on to get him to where not only location he needed him to be, but spiritually where he needed to be to not just save himself and his family, but the whole lineage of the Messiah. And so I want to see, to see a few of the hidden depths of sin in Joseph's life. I want to come at it from that angle so we understand that Joseph was human like you and me. And though many of us true our best to serve Lord and do right, he had some blemishes, if you will, like the rest of us. And I want us to see, first of all, through his misguidance, through his misguidance. Jacob, his father, we see that in verse 3, grew up in a home where he didn't have the affirmation and love from his father that he felt like he deserved, and he sought it often. His mother, uh, uh, Rebecca, loved him, but his father really catered more toward uh, Esau. And after a time, uh, Jacob tricked his father to get the blessing, and he had to flee and had to run, and really he dealt with that for a long time, that needing that giant hole of affirmation, he needed someone to just love him, and he fixated his interest on Rachel. He loved Rachel the moment his eyes met her, and he was willing to work for 14 long years, and for him it seemed just like a moment to win over Rachel. Of course, uh, Laban, their father, misguided, uh, uh, or guy, misguided, or mis, uh, or he, 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 he did something to him. Okay, no, he, <laughs> he, he, he uh, tricked him. Thank you. Thank you, Patty. There you go. He tricked him. And what happened was he had to marry Leah first and then Rachel. Well, he didn't really care for Leah, but God opened Leah's womb. She had multiple children. Rachel finally had two children in, Joseph, in Jacob's latter years. And Rachel passed away, his wife. But Joseph became the seat of his affection. And he fixated his love and care for Joseph more than his other children. And we see that in verse number 3. The Bible says there, Now Israel, this is Jacob, loved Joseph more than all his children, because he was a son of his old age, and he made him a coat of many colors. Now, the coat of many colors has a variety of different angles, but it is a rich coat. It was a lavish coat. It was a coat that... That really showed royalty, nobility. And if you read, Chuck Swindoll wrote a book on Joseph and he, and he said this, that this robe was long sleeved, it was long, it was lavish, it showed nobility and it showed that Joseph didn't really need to do anything. He, everyone would serve him. On the contrary, his boys, his other brothers would have a tunic. It was sleeveless, it was about knee length. And that showed that they were workers, they were laborers, and they were going to do all the work for the family. So automatically there's a distaste in the mouth of Joseph's brothers because here they are working hard every day, day in and day out, and Joseph, all he has to do is check on them, as we'll see in a little bit. He doesn't really need to do anything. 
Now, I don't know if Joseph was, had a bad heart, but I do think that eventually that coddling, that catering, that, 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 that letting him you know, do whatever he wanted, eventually started putting him on a journey that wasn't necessarily the greatest journey. So we see he wasn't trained right, he wasn't disciplined right, he wasn't taught right, if you will. He kind of just had a, a chip on his shoulder that, hey, everything is just coming to me and, and I, I, I want to be somebody great. Now, God was going to use him to be someone great, but he had to do a work in his heart. We also see not only through the misguidance, but through the misrepresentation. If you read in verse number two, we see that Joseph brought an evil report to his father. That word evil there in the Hebrew means false. I've looked at it from every angle, and it shows that Joseph could have meant well and wanted to tell his father what his brothers were doing wrong. But some believe he was actually fabricating it to make him look even better. It's like your, you know, your children, you know. Joey comes up to you and say, Daddy, I cleaned the whole house by myself. Wow, congratulations. And then Sally comes up and she says, Daddy, man, Joey said he did it all, but I actually helped him out a lot. Oh, Joey was trying to make you look like he did all of it. And Joseph fabricated the story, as much as I can see, to show his father that, yes, my brother, your, brother your, your, your sons were doing wrong. But, but, Dad, really, uh, I, I, I'm just so much better than them. We then see through misconception. The Bible says in verse 5 and verse 8 that Joseph had a dream. It was a true dream. It was a dream from God. But they, he, he possibly could have said it in such a way that caused the brothers to get a little upset. Really? This is a hierarchical, this is a patriarchal society where, where, where the children bow to the older. The oldest child gets the lion's share of the wealth. And that's completely opposite. Now, what if your brother told you that? You know what? If I would have told my brother Nathan, who, by the way, is like four inches taller than me and so much bigger than me. Nathan, one day, you're going to be bowing down to me. Now, don't get mad at me. Don't shoot the messenger. This is a dream from God. So you need to just accept it. Now, I'm not trying to be mean. I'm not trying to stir the pot here. But this is good. I mean, I don't know exactly how Joseph did. It may not have been intentional. But we see the second dream he had. His father, Jacob, had to rebuke him. And say, Joseph, you know, calm down a little bit. They couldn't understand these dreams But we do know one thing. This infuriated his brothers. And we see three different times the word hate there. Anytime in the Hebrew word, the the word is is said multiple times, it's very strong. And so we see they hated their brother. Once again, it wasn't all Joseph's fault, but he did not help the situation. So we see the hidden depths of sin. We see... uh, Volcano here, if you will, getting ready to erupt in this family. So many things are wrong. Joseph is heading down a a path that probably isn't necessarily the best path. Again, I'm not saying it's all his fault, but he's starting to go down it. And God will see intervene. I want to encourage you this morning that oftentimes we get ourselves into problems because of relationships in our life. We want to blame this, blame that. Very rarely do we have the power to overcome something negative in our life, a bad habit, something on our own. We need help. We need Jesus Christ. By the way, that's what church is good for. 
brothers and sisters you can be accountable to and say, hey, where were you at? I missed you last week. Well, I'll be honest with you, I was just being lazy. Okay. Hey, that's okay. But it's not okay. You know, we need to be here. You need to be in church. We have that encouragement. We have that edification. Hey, we want to we see you here. God, God can work in your life if you're here. We see the challenge. And oftentimes our bad habits can help be put back on the right track, not by our own doing, but because we get God involved in our life and we get other Christian brothers and sisters who help lift us up and help us get over those things. So we see the hidden depths of sin. But second of all, I want us to see the hidden purposes of God. God did not want Joseph to stay on that path. He had something else for him. So under the surface was sin, but also under the surface was God at work. And I want us to see this through the dreams. As I mentioned earlier, this is patriarchal and hierarchical society. society. These dreams showed the complete opposite of what was normal. And these brothers looked at these dreams and said, there's no way that can be right. And God says, oh no, I specialize in doing things my way. And so we see these dreams is brought about, the meaning of these dreams, by chance happenings. Say, how in the world do you know God's working? Well, there's some chance things happening. Joseph says, uh, Jacob says, Joseph, I want you to go check on your brothers. I want you to go find them. So Joseph does. And he's going to the place they normally are and there's no one there. And so he said, the Bible says a certain man was there. He says, hey, he says, have you seen my brothers? And that certain man had by chance seen his brothers. He says, yes, they went that way to Dothan. He says, okay, he gets to Dothan, a very remote place. And by chance, his brothers see him and say, oh, man, there's that dreamer. Let's get rid of him. Let's destroy him. They were going to kill him. But Reuben says, hey, hey, no, 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 no. Let's not kill him. Let's throw him in the pit. You say, well, what's so much better than that? Well, Reuben thought he'd go back and rescue him. But while Reuben was gone, a band of Ishmaelites came by and they said, Judah, I believe it was, he said, hey, no, let's sell him into slavery. So by chance we see him sold into slavery. He finds himself in Potiphar's house. All these things are happening by chance. But I don't believe it was by chance. Because if it wouldn't have happened exactly like it happened, everyone dies. You see, if Joseph doesn't end up in Egypt doesn't go through prison, doesn't get brought up right when he did, he could have never saved his family. He could have never saved the messianic line, if you will. We see that uh, 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 his father would have never been changed. Joseph's brothers would have never come back to forgiveness and act retribution and their hatred and their bitterness would have never evaporated away because God used Joseph to help them. That never would have happened if God wasn't behind the scenes. I just want to encourage you this morning that God's wise, redeeming love is completely compatible with difficult and terrible things that happen unto you. Oftentimes, above the surface, you wonder, God, what are you doing? And God says, Don't worry. My absence does not mean I'm, or my silence doesn't mean I'm absent. I'm working. So I find it interesting what happens in verse 23. If you will look at with me. What happens to Joseph? The Bible says, And it came to pass when Joseph was come unto his brethren that they stripped Joseph out of his coat, his coat of many colors that was on. The word strip there simply means that they, to skin an animal. They literally stripped him naked. And the Bible says they cast him. The word cast here is to dump a person into a grave. 
to completely abandon. Chapter 42, we'll see later, Joseph is alluding to what had happened to him. He cried and he screamed in this pit. Now, I don't know about you, but that is not a trial that I look forward to relishing. Hey, God, I know I'm going down a rocky path. You're working behind the scenes. Go ahead and put me in the pit. Strip me naked. May I cry out and no one hear me. May I think I'm going to die. Why don't you just do that to me, Lord? That way I can learn my lesson. Oftentimes we go through life and we wonder what God is doing. We say, God, why are you doing it this way? Many of us would rather have an angel come and fly down and say, Hey, you're going the wrong way. You need to switch it, buddy. And we say, yes, sir, and change. But how many would agree with me that very rarely does change happen overnight? No, no, no. Oftentimes it's a trial or a journey or frustration we go through that we realize, man, I need to change who I am. We find out later that people will say, man, you're different. And you say, I am? What has happened? Slowly after time, God has worked you and molded you into who he wanted you to be. So what happens in centuries later in Dothan, it's interesting. Of course, Joseph is thrown into a pit. He's stripped. He, 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 he is crying out for help. He's, he's naked. He, 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 he has no hope. And it's an awful thing. He thinks he's going to die. Of course, he eventually gets sold into slavery. But century later in Dothan, the same city, another remarkable thing happens. If you remember Elisha, and his servant was there. Dothan is not a remote city anymore. It's a big city. And think, the servant thinks they're going to die. They're all surrounded. And, and Elisha says, Lord, will you open his eyes? If you remember the story, his servant's eyes are open. And he see all these chariots. This whole army. And he realizes, okay, God's going to save us. Now, I don't know about you. But if I was in a situation that I needed deliverance, I would much rather have... A knight in shining armor on a horse with a sword say, I'm going to come save you. An angel of the Lord. But Joseph is finding himself in the pit and that's not happening. Now, what's the difference? Well, one is a very simple deliverance. Elisha needed a simple deliverance. But to Joseph, a simple deliverance would have done nothing for him. Then he would have maybe changed for a few weeks, maybe a few days. But he wouldn't have had a life change. He wouldn't have actually been put on the right path. And God says, I know, Joseph, you want a simple deliverance. I know maybe you today are sitting here in a pew and you say, hey, I know you want a simple deliverance. I know you want to quickly get out of that trial. I know you want it to be over with, but you don't understand. You need to go on this journey. You need to go through this trial. You need to go through this hardship. You need to go through these things. Because it's a complexity. But if Joseph had gotten deliverance from what he needed that day, he would have not been saved what he needed to from later on. He had to go on a journey. God was caring just as much for Joseph and his hiddenness than for Elisha and all his amazing deliverance. And my question to you is simply this. Do you understand that? There's times when you may have to go through a complex deliverance that you don't understand, you don't want, you don't wish on anyone, you didn't ask for, but you're on it. And you have to believe that God is just as much involved in that complex deliverance as that simple deliverance maybe your friend had. 
Hey, why, why, didn't, why didn't I just open my mailbox and, 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 so, and, and the hospital that I thought I owed 3000 actually sent me a check for $3,000? Have you ever been that guy? You know, nothing ever happens to me. You know, my grandma's one of those people. They have these things in the grocery stores and stuff. She'll, she'll register for a chance to win. She gets picked every time. You know, I register to win and it's like I'm just wasting ink, you know. Have you ever wondered why some people get their needs met like this? And and it's like, why is it always hard for me? May I just submit to you today that maybe God just is teaching you something? I don't know about you, but I don't like learning those life lessons. But I promise you this, the end, end result is always so much better than what it would have been if God would have fixed it just like that at times. So we see the hiddenness of God. I think today about Peter in prison. Remember the story? He's in prison. The church gets together and they start praying for him. That day, an angel Lord comes. He opens up all the gates. He walks Peter out. Peter goes to the house. He knocks on the door. He says, hey, will you let me in? Hey, I'm free. I don't want to stand out here in the middle of everything so the soldiers can get me again. And Rhoda comes up and says, oh, Peter's here. Well, did you invite him in? Oh, no. Peter, come on in. He saved instantly. What about John the Baptist? He ends up getting beheaded in prison, thinking that Jesus forgot about him. Now, what's the difference? I really believe that God often does the most good when he seems the most hidden. I want to encourage you today that in the hidden depths of sin, Joseph needed to go on a journey that maybe, if you look at Genesis chapter number 37, God is not mentioned once. Almost every other chapter in Genesis, God is mentioned. But I really believe God was the most visible in chapter 37, all behind the scenes. And my question to you this morning is, can you believe that God is just as visible when you can't see him? Can you believe that the complex deliverance is just maybe even God showing more love to me than a simple deliverance? I can trust that I cannot see God and I do not know what he's doing. But like Joseph, maybe I was going down a path or maybe I needed my pride adjusted or maybe I need to learn how to submit to God or maybe I need to learn how to say no to something and not just keep skating by. Maybe God is doing something to me that I need done but I don't want done. But yet we want the simple fixes so often. Maybe God has a purpose and a reason for that journey. And then last but not least, I want us to see number three, the hidden patterns of grace. So how does this apply to you and me today? How can we get something from this story? Well, George Herbert, great poet, he read a poem years ago called Joseph's Coat. Now, I won't read the poem today, but I will share a little bit what he says. He says this, any grief, suffering or suffering that you have to deal with has the potential to destroy you. Any grief or suffering has the potential to destroy you or to steal your joy. But he also says, if you don the coat, meaning Joseph's coat, which is a representation of the assurance of God's love and suffering, instead of destroying you, this coat can sustain and change you. In essence, George Herbert says, when one puts on the coat in the midst of suffering, you will be more compassionate Caring and understanding. 
So in other words, when you put this coat on, not only can you get through the trial, because you have the assurance of God's love, but also this coat helps teach you how to be more compassionate, how to be more caring. I shared this last week with my children. You heard the story? Before I had children, I thought every parent needed help. Then I had children and realized I'm the one who needed help. Okay. When you go through things, it can sure help you become more compassionate. I have no doubt, Pastor Miss Vicky, some of the greatest people in all the world, but the people we know now probably maybe were a little different 38 years ago. And what do you mean by that? I'm not saying bad or good. I'm just simply saying the, 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 the trials, the tribulations, and the joys, the hills and the valleys help make them become the great people they are today. And can we believe that? Can we believe that maybe what we're going through isn't designed to hurt us? Maybe it really is there to help me become what I need to be. Maybe I can be more compassionate through this. Maybe I can be more understanding. Maybe I can become more patient. Lord knows I need help with that, you know. Maybe I can learn how to be more long-suffering. Maybe I can learn how to be more kind through this. Maybe I can learn how to be more joyful through this. But we see here this morning that oftentimes when we put on the coat, it can help us because we know God is with us. God loves us. You may be saying today, okay, well, how do I get this coat? You know, what does this coat look like? It's not a physical thing. It's a spiritual thing. You see, centuries later, there was another person who came to his brethren and his own received them not. Centuries later, another man was sold for silver and was betrayed by those closest to him. Centuries later, there was a man who was stripped naked He was beat. He was battered. He didn't even look like a man. He was bleeding. He was nailed to an old rugged cross. He was abandoned to die. And he cried out, Father, why hast thou forsaken me? And he heard crickets. He heard nothing. No one cared. He was abandoned by everyone. But yet he was willing to do this for you and me. He was willing to lose a father's love. He was willing to pay our penalty on the cross so that we can be assured that God loves us. May I encourage you this morning that Jesus came voluntarily as our Savior to be punished for your sins and my sins. And Jesus Christ was willing to go to the pit for you and me so we didn't have to face the pit of hell. Aren't you thankful this morning for Jesus Christ? Joseph was willing to to go through this to help his family, maybe. But Jesus Christ came and the pit he fell into was vastly deeper. And the cry of his, his cry was vastly greater. His sense of abandonment was infinitely greater than anything Joseph went through. But he was willing to do it for you and for me. Years ago, I was just learning to pastor. I, I had the title of pastor but I knew I wasn't really pastoring anybody yet. I, had never, I hadn't really reached anyone. I had the title. And uh, it took me some time to finally... So no one ever called me, you know. When I first started pastoring, I thought it was all about preaching, leading a service, and then you're done for the day. Then I realized as time goes on, I started ministering to people that pastoring has to be earned. And I, I want to encourage you this morning, I understand that. I understand I'm not Pastor Mutchler. I understand if I'm not your pastor. I understand that. 
I just hope that one day you'll, you'll give me the opportunity, as many of you have. But I want to encourage you this morning that I learned a valuable lesson as a young pastor. I got a call one time from someone saying, hey, will you come visit me in the hospital? We had this devastating thing. I said, oh man, now's my chance. So I went to the library, I got the book out, how to, what to say during grieving times. Man, I, it was awesome. I had this illiterate, I mean, it was great. I said, I am ready. I'll never forget pulling up there and, and sitting down, and I had all these things I was going to say, but the words never came, because I realized these people didn't mean me to give them any answers. They just needed me to be there. They just needed my presence. They needed to know someone cared. And I want to encourage you this morning. Jesus Christ wants that to be that for you in your life every day of your life. He wants to show his presence. He wants to be there. He wants to show his love. He wants to show his care. And oftentimes in life we can get frustrated and say, Man, we want to know why. Why are we going through this? We want to know. But maybe you can't understand it. It's like me having a conversation with my three-year-old. Jackson, sit down. i got to talk to you. Now, I'm not going to take care of you for the rest of your life now, son. I mean, you need to learn how to get through college. You need to learn how to drive. You learn how to get a job. You need to learn how to pay your bills. You learn how to work. What? Daddy, I can't live with you forever. Yeah, you're three years old. You need to understand this. You know. <laughs> he's not going to understand. You know what he's going to say? After all that, I'm hungry, Daddy. You know. <laughs> why, why is that car right there? You know, he, doesn't, he doesn't comprehend that. I would never do that to my son. And maybe, just maybe, God's not sharing with you because you, you just can't comprehend it. And he just wants you to just, just, just enjoy our relationship, son. I know you don't understand this trial. And by the way, I hope you understand. I don't say that flippantly. Some of you have been through way more than I ever would imagine. I, I don't share this flippantly. I'm just trying to help us understand what Joseph went through and how we can apply it today. Maybe Jesus just says, hey, I don't want to tell you why. Just, just enjoy our relationship. Just enjoy what I have in you. And this trial will just bring you closer to me. This frustration will just bring you closer. Just instead of wanting to know why, just rest in the calm assurance that it's going to be okay, like Jackson does for his daddy. Like you can rest assured that, God, I'm just going to rest in your arms. It's going to be okay. And so we see this morning three things. First and foremost, will you accept God's free gift of deliverance? Do you understand what Jesus did for you? He came voluntarily, did not need to, did not have to. But he was willing the perfect, to be the perfect sacrifice for you and me. Our sin debt was keeping us from God. The Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That means nothing you and I could do could have ever bridged the gap between us and God. Nothing we could do, no matter how good we are, how much we go to church, how, how great our mom was, dad, what, nothing could keep us, get us to God. And Jesus says, I am willing to be the way, the truth, and the life. I am willing to be the perfect sacrifice. I am willing to redeem them, buy them back. I am willing to do all that on the cross of Calvary. I'm willing to be stripped. I'm willing to be whipped. 
I'm willing, I'm willing to take all the wrath of the Heavenly Father upon myself. I am willing to, to take their punishment and hell for them. I'm willing to do all that so that they can experience the coat, if you will. So they can experience my presence. So they can experience the assurance that I will never leave them nor forsake them. So they can have a home in heaven one day. I will be willing to do what no one else can do because I love them. Will you accept Jesus' free gift of salvation? No doubt in a, in a room this size, there's someone in here maybe that you're, you're thinking, you're, you're trying to figure out, you're, you're just, you just want to know. May I encourage you that Jesus Christ has no strings attached. He gave his life for you, expecting nothing in return from you but your life. God, I, I give my life to you. I have nothing to offer you, but I want you to be my heavenly father. And second of all, this morning, can you learn to know and not know what God is doing? What do you mean by that? I can know that God is doing something behind the scenes, even though I do not know what it is. But I can be okay with that. I can accept that I know what God is doing is going to help me, but I don't know what he's doing. Does that make sense? And then third of all, I can learn to get the code, not just of salvation, but I can learn to get the code, if you will, through Bible reading, through prayer. You say, what are you talking about? I'm talking about you experience God's presence when you have a relationship with him. Now, that starts with salvation. When I married my wife, we became husband and wife. But I, I, don't, I didn't say to her, okay, we're married. Let's not talk to, to each other for another 10 years. No, no, we got married for that relationship. And just because you're saved doesn't mean that relationship's just going to happen. It takes time. It takes effort. It takes walking with God, reading your Bible, saying, I didn't understand this. What is this? And then, and then searching, digging down, and, and finding maybe an application to it, or, or maybe a commentary that shows. And you, and you grasp them and say, hey, I, that's good. I needed that. And then you start talking to God about that and say, God, how can this work in my life? And what should it do? And God starts working with you and starts working in your heart. And that calm assurance, that comfort, then the Holy Spirit comes in and says, hey, don't do that. Don't say those mean words to your kids, your wife. Don't pull out in front of that person, you know. Don't slam your horn for 10 minutes. I don't do it. Why? Because I'm working on you. And you start, you quit grieving, you quit quenching the spirit. And then that, that relationship starts getting great and real. And then you feel the, feel the code, if you will, the assurance of God's love. Man, you feel, you feel the love from God. And you just know, no matter what what my hidden depths of sin in my life is, Jesus knows all about it. He wants to change it. So I'm willing to let him change it by putting on the coat and saying, God, I'll, I'll make you a deal. You can change me if you'll do it with me, if you'll, if you'll comfort me while you do it. You know, God, you can take me through whatever you want as long as I know you're there. And God says, okay, let's do this together. Let me encourage you this morning. If you don't know Christ, will you come to him? And then George Herbert said this at the end of the poem. He said this, After all this stuff, I live to show his power who once did bring my choice to weep and now my grace to sing. You know what George Herbert found out? That when he had the coat of God, the relationship with God, the presence of God, the love of God in his life, he was able to sing in his time of grief. May I encourage you this morning, 
and the hidden depths of sin. And God says, okay, I mean, I'm, I'm still working on you to make you what you ought to be. I'm still working on you. I know you don't like it, but my grace is sufficient. I'm working behind the scenes. I'm right there. And then, when we allow Jesus to come into our life, to change our life, we develop a relationship with him, he can help us through anything we're going through. There's a story about a high school boy in New York City. He broke his nose. Man, it was like the worst thing ever to a boy. Man, my nose is all broke, bloodied, a miserable day. He had something fun planned that night with his friends. And so he goes to the doctor. He's in a bad attitude, and, and they get it all, all fixed up. And his mom just knew he had a bad day. And he said, son, let's go to the, the Bronx Zoo. Let's go to the zoo today. I'll cheer you up. So they got to the zoo, and as soon as they walked in, all of a sudden there was uh, officials of the zoo, photographers from the New York press. There was uh, journalists there. There was the, uh, 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 news people were there. And he's like, what in the world? And he says, hey, we wanted you to know you're the hundred millionth person to walk through these gates. And because of that, you get a lifetime membership to any of the New York zoos. You never have to pay. And that boy thought, wow, what started out to be a pretty rough day worked out for good. I just have to believe sometimes the broken noses of life, though we don't like them, that we don't anticipate them, that we, that we don't never ask for them. I've never went up to anybody and said, all right, here, punch me in the nose. You know? Here, here, take a screw, take a drill, take a screw, and just drill it in my tire. Just do it. I want to be sitting along the side of the road, and I want to have a flat tire. Just do it. You know? I mean, you know, we never ask that light to turn red in the turn lane that takes 22 minutes to turn again. Ah, yeah. oh, I was going to be on time to work, but now, you know. You're cruising along the 205, all of a sudden you see the brake lights. No one ever asked for that. But we have to believe, somehow, someway, God's going to use us in my life. I don't know how. You say, no, it's impossible. Do you think maybe Joseph felt that way? But we see, if you read the end of the story, and maybe if you haven't, read it this week, it turned out pretty good for him and his family. Not just blessing-wise, But he became the man God needed that wouldn't have been the man God needed had he not gone through all those things. Every head bowed, every eye closed. This morning I want to encourage you, if you do not know Christ, will you come to Jesus? You say, Pastor Justin, I'd love to, but it's not that easy. Well, it's as hard as you want to make it to be. Or it's as easy as you want to make it to be. You say, what does that mean? I mean that Jesus did everything for you. He died on a cross. He paid for your sin debt. All you have to do is put your faith and trust in him. You say, well, that's too easy. Well, God didn't want to make it hard. He didn't want any soul, he didn't want anybody to perish. He wanted everyone to, to know for sure they're going to heaven. So he did all the work for you. Will you be willing to put your faith and trust in him? You say, oh, of course, I'd be willing to do that. Well, let me encourage you in your heart, say something like this. Say, dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I deserve to go to hell. I don't want to go there. I believe and trust in you and invite you into my life. Please come to our heart and save me so I can go to heaven when I die. With heads bowed and eyes closed, no one's looking around. I want to rejoice with you if you said that. I won't point you out. I won't uh, embarrass you. 
But I want to rejoice with you if you just prayed that prayer in your life. Maybe that's you. Say, Pastor Justin, that's me. I just invited Jesus in my life. Can you slip up your hand right now? I want to just pray for you. I see that hand. Anybody else? God bless you. I see that hand. Praise the Lord. God bless you. I see that hand. You know, Jesus doesn't lie. And he says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you invited Jesus Christ in your life right now, you are a child of God. How many would say, you know, I know for sure I'm going to heaven, Pastor Justin, but I'll be honest with you. I, uh, I, I need to take that coat. I need to spend time with God. I need to develop that relationship. I cannot go through what I'm going alone. Oftentimes when we're going through difficult times, we, send to, we, 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 we tend to, to leave what we need the most. How many say, Pastor Justin, will you pray for me to know that God's doing a work, even if I don't know what he's doing? Will you pray for me that God will help me with that, that you all over, I see those hands. Then last but not least, how many would say, Pastor Justin, I've determined this week, I'm going to go get the coat. I'm going to spend time with God and his word and prayer, even though it's hard, even though it may be difficult. I'm going to get a good devotional. I'm going to, I'm going to listen to maybe a good podcast. I'm going, to, I'm, going to, I'm going to do all I can this week to strengthen my relationship with God. I'm going to spend time with him. I want to experience his presence. Will you pray for me that I will fulfill this challenge and I'll do that this week? If that's you, we slip up your hand. God bless you. Lord, you, you saw the hands. You know the hearts. Thank you for those who raise their hand for salvation. Thank you for those who realize that they know you're working even though they don't know exactly what it is. And thank you for those who are wanting to put on the coat, not just salvation, but they want to develop that relationship with you. Just like Joseph, the only way he got through that pit, the only way he got through slavery, the only way he got through prison, unjustly put there, the only way he finally got out and he was willing to be used of you to share the meaning of that dream. And the only way he was able to eventually become second in command and save all his family and really save the Messiah lineage, the only way he was able to do all that was because he let you change him. He was willing to continue on even in the midst of adversity. And I pray that we'll be willing to do that as well so you can change us and make us to what we need to be. Whether we feel like it, we need it or not, may we just trust you that you're doing it. So we'll let you. We sure do love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. If you could stand to your feet. We have what's called an invitation time. The piano's going to play. Uh, if you'd like to come forward, we, we, we would love to pray with you. Our pastors are here. They'd love to pray with you. Maybe you'd like to share that you invited Jesus in your life and you want to rejoice. We want to rejoice with you. Maybe you'd like to follow Lord in baptism or maybe you'd like to join the church and that's what this time is for. If God has stirred your heart, I want to encourage you maybe to come forward and just take a minute and pray. Maybe you'd like to in your pew, but I want to encourage us not to leave today without getting it settled in our heart. God, this is a decision I'm making. Uh, it's not going to listen to something and say, oh, that was helpful or that was good or man, that was challenging, but I, I'm, going to, I'm going to apply it this week. I want to take a few steps and implement it as you would have me to. I encourage you in that area. Maybe pray for someone near you. You say, well, I don't know who they are. That's okay. Just pray that God will help them in their life this week. That God will bless their life. God will help them in any challenges they have or maybe any difficulties they have. If they don't know Him, maybe they'll come to Christ. May we pray for each other right now as well. As it plays.
Oh, God bless you. Appreciate it. If you could be seated this time, thank you so much for being here, being faithful, and just listening uh, this morning. And let's watch a video, just some upcoming events we want to make sure you're aware of, and then we'll be dismissed this morning. Good morning and welcome to our service. We hope this morning's sermon from Pastor Justin Lehman was a blessing to you. Join us back here tonight at 5 for another sermon from Pastor Justin Lehman. There will be a paintball teen activity tomorrow for teens 6th through 12th grade. The activity will be held at Camp Dakota in Scott Mills and the cost is $25 per teenager. The bus will be leaving the church at 12.30 p.m. and will return at 4 p.m. Every teenager must have a permission form signed by their parent, so be sure to pick one up at the welcome desk. Moana will be starting back up on Wednesday, September 7th. Every week, the children will get to play games and get prizes for completing workbooks and scripture memory. Throughout the year, there are fun-themed nights where the kids can dress up according to the theme. Moana is for children 2 years old through 5th grade, and there is an annual club fee of $40 or $20 if the child already has a uniform. You might be interested in helping in Awana, please sign up at the welcome desk. Don't miss out on this special Awana parents meeting that happens every Wednesday during Awana. Child care is provided, so come be a part of a special time of fellowship, games, and a lesson from Pastor Justin. Don't miss the special Sunday morning service next week on September 4th, where we will hear Pastor Justin Lehman share his vision with us. Church members, plan to join us on Sunday morning, September 11th, where we will vote to elect Justin Lehman as the next pastor of Grandview Baptist Church. Mark your calendars for events coming up in the next few months. Grandview's 38th anniversary service on September 11th, Tailgate Sunday on September 25th, Pumpkin Sunday on October 2nd, and Trunk or Treat on October 30th. Did you know that you can help support Grandview by shopping at Fred Meyer and on Amazon? To set up community rewards on the Fred Meyer app, Simply log into your account from your phone or computer. Click on the menu icon in the top right corner of your screen. Then locate the Rewards tab. Now select Community Rewards. From there, you can search for Grandview Baptist Church and press Enroll. That's it. Now every time you use your Fred Meyer card, the company will donate money to Grandview Baptist Church. To sign up on Amazon, click on the menu icon in the bottom right-hand corner of the screen. Now, click on the Settings drop-down menu and select Amazon Smile. Search for Grandview Baptist Church and then select our church in Beaver Creek from the list. Now, every purchase you make will give back to supporting the work of Christ in our area. If this is your first or second time here, we want to answer all your questions and get to know you. Please fill out the connection card in the pew in front of you and bring it to the guest services as you exit the auditorium. We would love to meet you, and you will receive a gift card. Have a great afternoon, and we'll see you tonight at 5. Okay, I'm looking forward to continuing our journey through 2 Thessalonians tonight. If you can be here, please know God loves you, and we love you at our church. I hope you have a great day. You are dismissed.